We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, Broncos fans are, are, are still having a hard time shucking the feeling that there's a giant figurative snake that has bitten at the heel of the figurative uh bronco thing as more injuries dude more injuries there's some good jerry judy news we'll get to it but explain what's going on with frank clark and what happened today yeah i thought it was a little strange that clark popped up yesterday on the practice report and he was limited with a hip and then today he was downgraded, in, in fact, to DNP, did not practice. Well, there's a reason for that. And according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, uh, Clark suffered an hip injury in Wednesday's practice, yesterday's practice, and he's expected to miss a couple of weeks. Again, according to Rappaport, sounds like he's down for this week. He might be down next week. And, uh, you know, it's not going swimmingly for him. His first year in Denver, he was playing deep into the fourth quarter in preseason games. He made no impact last week, and now he's going to be out for a little bit. So it's, it's run-of-the-mill Broncos news nowadays, unfortunately. The good news, though, is he's not done for the year, Todd. Um, and those of you listening, I see Todd questioning prior to the to the stream. Clark's not done for the year, Zach mentioned. A couple weeks, probably tops. But it comes at a very inopportune time because Broncos were able to total exactly zero sacks on Jimmy Garoppolo in week one. And it's not necessarily getting any better in terms of there's no one waiting in the wings ready to come in and help this week. You got Baron Browning eventually going to come off pup. But even when that happens, Zach, it's going to be, all right, training wells, get his game legs beneath him, and then you know two or three games into him being back on the roster. You hope to see some production. So that means Randy Gregory, go earn that $70 million contract, bro. Like now is the time. I was slightly encouraged on multiple fronts, Zach, this week. Sean Payton talking about whether it's the lack of explosive plays, which according to him, Zach, he did call several, three or four to quote him. They just didn't uh, bear fruit. They just didn't pan out. So whether it's uh, lack of explosive plays, uh, lack of sacks, some tackling issues, uh, some run fit issues. One of the great things about Sean Payton, and this is something that fans should take a lot of encouragement in, and it'll come out in the wash. We'll know, you know, the veracity of this very, very soon. But that is the fact, Zach, that he spends maybe as much time self-scouting as he does scouting the opponent. So coming out of week one, they, the Broncos coaching staff spent a lot of time looking in the mirror and figuring out, okay, this is why that was okay. This is why that was happening. Got that tweak this here, tweak that there. And so Zach, I, there's a long winded way of saying that I expect that even with Frank Clark gone, some of that, uh, self scouting, the results thereof are going to pay some, some dividends when it comes to the pass rush on, on VJ side of the ball. 
you hit the nail on the head and made the point that I was going to make. It's time for these players to step up. It's time for, you know, Randy Gregory to put his big boy pants on and, like you said, go out and earn that money. It's time for Jonathan Cooper to show why he earned that starting role. It's time for Drew Sanders to get on the field. I know he's an inside linebacker, but he didn't have one defensive snap in week one, not a single one. Use a high round pick on the guy, deploy him out there, either as an off ball or an edge. How about Thomas Incombe? He made the roster as a UDFA. It's time for him to show his worth. So the, the, the depth is tested without Browning, without Frank Clark, but they still have the horses, and it falls on coaching, coaching, coaching to get the most out of them as usual. Incum, for what it's worth, a healthy scratch in week one. David McElrath, the Papa Bear, what's good, brother? Great to see you. He says, good evening, Broncos country. Chad, Zach, Dylan, and Deacon Scott still holding on to hashtag 12 and 5. MHH for life, Buckham times three with a B. YouTube hashtag Denver Bronx for life. Really love and appreciate your brother. Hope you're holding in, uh, ho holding up and hanging in there, my friend. We know what you've been going through lately. So we, we you got us behind you, my friend. Uh, we got the fawn donkey, the phone donkey, Troy Boer. That's his Twitter account. I'm not throwing shade at him. What's up, brother? Yes. Thank you for the super. He says, Hey guys, Incum time. Yeah, it's uh, we'll see what Incum uh, can do. I was basically completely dismissive of Incum. After feeling really excited about his prospects of making the roster, and it turned out that was well-founded, he did make the roster as an undrafted rookie. His first two games in the preseason were utterly forgettable, and then he went kaboom in the third preseason game, officially won a roster spot. That was encouraging, but anyone expecting Incum to come in and all of a sudden replace even a guy like Frank Clark, who was a relative non-factor both against the pass and the run last week, it you don't get it you know uh too far out over your skis on that one if there's really zach an immediate solution to be found here in terms of next man up or you know we got to all just kind of step in and and it takes a village to overcome the loss of a vet like this pro bowler by the way it's drew sanders finding a way to utilize him maybe since you didn't need him at all as an inside linebacker you put him back on the edge and let him go be an athletic playmaker which is what he is and then, of course, Jonathan Cooper, you earned a starting role. Sean Payton, Vance Joseph, they gave you a huge vote in co of confidence. Now go out there and prove that you are worthy of it. Because, Zach, as exciting as we were, uh, uh, excited as we were about the developments with Jonathan Cooper, you might recall me saying one thing. Hey, this is great. It looks like he earned it. I hope he justifies it. But it's not like he's not started games and very recently for the Broncos. He did. He started five games last year. And the reason you don't remember that is because the result of them, Zach was very much like week one, like, you know, not really making an impact, but I want to see some Drew Sanders. That's really the bottom line. Same. Yeah. And Troy, I, I think he'll um, he'll be activated or has a chance to be activated for the game. As Chad mentioned, he was a healthy scratch. But before we see Incum time, how about Nick Benito time? It's another player that was drafted very highly, similar to Drew Sanders, and hasn't panned out. It's time for the Broncos to get the most out of these players and uh, justify their draft status. I want to see more from Benito, definitely more from Randy Gregory, more from Cooper, more from everyone, uh, because what VJ said, I mean, we're taking him at face value. It was the deepest set of pass rushers that he's ever had. Well, it's it's time for action, not just words. Yeah. Um, I'm now curious. I'm trying to remind myself uh, how many snaps. Hang, hang tight with me one sec, gang. How many snaps uh, Nick Benito received in week one? I'm just going to take a quick peep at that one second. I'm pulling up the game report all right nick benito game one benito benito uh he received 15 snaps on defense zach and that was out of a total of uh 59 snaps so he's he's definitely staring down the barrel of an increase in playing time and he's got to make some hay sam bam what's up bro so good to see you thank you for the very generous super chat three so far before we even went live love you guys sam you're right there, bro. He says, hi, everyone. Sorry, it's been a while. Hoping we can get our first win of the Sean Payton era this Sunday. Go Broncos. I'm feeling good about it. I think, um, again, guys, it was so easy to fall back into the old pattern and posture of 
you know, oh, okay, here we go again, disappointment. This is just the way things are now. It's easy to do that when the first game, after all the excitement and the hubbub and the expectations rise with Sean Payton, they go out and they not only lose a home opener, they lose it to the Raiders and stack a seventh straight loss. I get that, but I'm telling you right now, I think, Zach, this is this game is going to be the, the uh, beginning of the regular season results looking a little bit more like the third preseason game results where, you know, we, when we talk about one of the things that separates the teams that make the playoffs from those that don't or the teams that win the games that they're supposed to, hey, Broncos were supposed to win that game last week. That was a game they were supposed to win. Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They didn't. There were some extenuating circumstances. We can cry about it. We can hang our heads and, and get in the corner and you know suck our thumbs, rocking back and forth. But I think Sean Payton and the players and all his staff, they learned a lot about themselves, learned a lot about the operation, da da da. The tweaks on the on the fly. I think you're gonna see some some fruits of that against a Washington team, Zach, that is, I think, ripe for the plucking, so to speak. Like you can get after these guys in more ways than one. This is a good, you know, to to say, to call it a get right game. That's not fair because the Broncos that that implies Zach that the Broncos have been right and that they're just on a little bit of a slump or something and they need to get right. No, it's but it's of that ilk. You know, this is a game where you can go out there, do your thing, do what you're supposed to, be who you're supposed to, get the result that you need, and start building some of that belief because that's one of the things Zach that is going to be. Um, very key to this being a productive season for the Broncos is Sean Payton helping these players get their confidence, get their belief back that not only can they win, but hey, we know how it's done. I'll take it a step further. This is a must-win game for the Broncos. I mean, your second home game, second game in a row, you start out 0-2 in the easy part of your schedule, and who are you facing next Sunday? The prospect of the Dolphins, an early afternoon game, East Coast in that Florida heat. They have a real chance, if they don't win Sunday, to start 0-3. And, and historically, the percentage of teams that make the playoffs that start 0-2 and, and definitely 0-3 is negligible. They need this victory, and fortunately, I think they will get this victory. We'll talk about our predictions later in the in the show tonight. But this is a, an opponent that's, like you said, ripe for the taking. Uh, Sam Howell, the commander's quarterback, was pressured almost nonstop last week against a subpar uh, Cardinals team. On defense, they have a pretty imposing D-line, and I read that Chase Young is going to make his 2023 debut against the Broncos. But historically Sean Payton has done really well against Ron Rivera coach teams. Remember Ron Rivera was the Panthers coach and the Panthers played the saints twice a year for many years. I look for the Broncos to echoing what Chad said, get right 
even out the record at one and one and build yourself some momentum. Well said, brother. Um, let's get to some news as I uh, we're without Mr. Producer for the beginning of tonight's show anyway. Um, so a couple of hellos in the chat. We see Big Earn, Broncos country only. Most definitely my dog. So good to see you. Uh, we got Tim Watkins, Kevin Gray. We got, of course, uh, Todd Ostendorf, Orange Bucky. And, yes, let's get to this real quick. Judy is back. We want to believe he's back. We'll 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 know for sure on Sunday. Um, we might know for sure when the injury report drops officially tomorrow. But yes, guys, in case you missed it, Jerry Judy, after being a falling just from a, you know razor's edge of a game time decision, barely like he could have played, but Peyton's like, no, nah, I'm thinking of the season. We're gonna sit you. Limited participant in practice yesterday, but Judy a full go which is the first time he's been a full go since the hamstring injury, Zach. He was a full go today. What are the implications? No, he's back for sure. I mean, I think that Sean Payton was smart to hold him out in week one because, like he said, hamstrings are so tricky, and he was thinking of the, the big picture, but they need him desperately, and they sorely missed him against the Raiders. There was that lack of explosive plays, the fact that Samaj P. Ryan finished as the Broncos' leading receiver. That cannot happen. They have to open up the offense, take more shots downfield, and getting their wide receiver one back is such a big boost for that um, that goal. And especially without Greg Dulcich in the lineup, who has a hamstring injury just like Judy and is not going to play this week. He gives you just a better opportunity. You know, we were lamenting the lack of the explosive plays. The Broncos had exactly two plays, Zach, that went for 20 yards or more in week one. One was a 21-yard pass to um, Brandon Johnson. The other was a 20-yard pass, that one that went a good distance uh, for Samaj P. Ryan, 21 yards and 20 yards. That's it. That's the only – and that's how the NFL, for what it's worth, defines an explosive play as plays of 20 yards or more. So Jerry Judy gives you a significantly better odds of opening that up. And I don't just mean because he's going to be catching touchdowns all day, but that speed, defenses have to respect it. And opens up opportunities for everybody else, including Cortland Sutton, including Marvin Mims Jr., including Brandon Johnson. So, Tom, what's up, dude? So good to see you. He, uh, thank you for the super. He says, guys, Sunday was tough. Wilson needs to have some Romo in him and take some chances and trust Sutton and Judy and Mims to come down with the catch. Do you? I agree that he does need to have that trust, Zach, but is there any reason, do you have any reason to believe that the lack of explosive plays last week may have been due to a lack of trust in Russ, you know, having in his receivers. Not at all. I mean, he has unfamiliarity with uh, Marvin Mims, who's a rookie. Uh, he might have some with Brandon Johnson, but he threw to Cortland Sutton all last year, and he even forced a lot of passes Sutton's way last season. But, you know, the impact of Judy coming back to the lineup, I'll give you an example. If you can recall last week against the Raiders, that Philip Dorsett incomplete pass where Russell Wilson, it was a sideline hole shot. It was a frozen rope, a dot to Philip Dorsett, who was wide open. Dorsett had no field awareness and caught the ball. His foot was out of bounds. That was Jerry Judy. That goes from an incomplete pass to a 50-yard gain or maybe even a touchdown. That could have been the difference in the ballgame. That could have got the Broncos a victory single-handedly. So like Chad was talking about, it's not just the fact that Judy's going to catch more balls and uh, he might score. It opens the offense up for everybody else, including Mims and Sutton and Johnson and the running backs and Adam freaking Troutman, tight end one. Having him back, you will see a totally new offensive approach, and I think they're going to take – deep shots early and often against that Washington secondary. Tom, it's going to be fun though. I think things start moving in the direction. Everybody wants them to, uh, wants it to um, this week. Appreciate you, big dog. I hear the word Dorset and I, and, and I see it Zach on the back of a Broncos Jersey. And I am taken back to being a nine, 10 year old kid and Tony Dorset, his swan song as a pro his his last year as a professional with the Broncos in 1989. I want to say he had like seven heart, 700 yards rushing, but I remember being a kid. I'm like, Tony Dorsett, a Bronco. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it was not the greatest result. He ended up playing, uh, if memory serves, he ended up playing, uh, no, it was 88, 88. So that was, that was the year preceding Bobby Humphrey 
uh, being a first round pick and rushing for a thousand yards as a as a rookie, which was before the Mike Shanahan era where that was just became an expected thing. So it was noteworthy. Uh, George, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Thank you for the stars. He says, this is starting to look like the last few years with all the injuries. Denver Broncos for life image. Great pod by the, uh, by the great, best group of guys. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I mean, I feel you. And again, I think I would caution fans to Beware of succumbing too early this season into the here we go again. Read this story before, seen this rerun um, based on a week one loss and even the injuries. Just because, you know, the football, Zach, is a violent game. It happens. It's part of the tapestry of, of what it is to be an NFL team in the NFL. In other words, they all have to deal with these issues. They all have to deal with the threat of it and what obviously can change things Zach is when through a systematic institutional approach you over the course of a large sample size four years like in the case of the previous strength regime are proven to be one of the most snake bitten teams then you know it's something in the water it's not just the attrition of football that every other team has to deal with there's actually something to this that you can control you're doing something wrong in other words and the Broncos moved to change that. But, Zach, just because they hired a new VP, uh, to uh, a new executive to oversee this, just because they hired a new strength coach, doesn't mean they're all of a sudden impervious completely to the vagaries of the injury bug. Bronk, what's up, dude? Zach. Yeah, I just wanted to um, emphasize the injury point because I tweeted this before we went live or about you know two hours ago now. But here's the list of players who are not going to be available Sunday against the Commanders. Tim Patrick, Greg Dulcich, Caden Stearns, Frank Clark, Baron Browning, and Kwan Williams. That's among others, including Jonas Griffith. And it sucks, and it hurts, and it feels like it's same old, same old, but there's a silver lining to this that I, I'm going to you know, hang my hat on and rest my hope in. Except for Caden Stearns and Tim Patrick, who are both out for the season, you will have every other player back around midseason. So theoretically, you can get healthy for the stretch run. And I'm knocking wood to the fact that maybe the injury bug is getting out of the way early. And I'm kind of assuming that other players won't be going down until midseason. But it's the Broncos need a break. And I hope yeah. that this is the 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 crappy part of it, and the rest of the season will be relatively smooth sailing. Maybe it's I like that. Time. I like that message that you're uh, putting out there, Zach, because it's also worth remembering that Sean Payton teams traditionally uh, they play their best ball the second half of the season. Right. So, Zach, if you're getting a couple of your two or three best guys back, or at least key contributor guys back for that period, it only increases the odds of that being a productive stretch. Tom, number two, thank you, bro, says it's bad when Nick Benito might be our best pass rusher. Yeah, it it is a concern, dude. Like, I'm more worried about that than I am, you know, lack of explosive plays. Uh, even right now, I'm more worried about that than the injury bug because that um, if you can't affect the passer in this league, uh, you don't stand a chance, period, end of story. Like, even if you have a, a offense capable of scoring 30 every week, if you can't get after the passer, dude, it really hamstrings your your team. So um, you got to figure, Zach, that that was a big emphasis. Again, when we talked about, if you missed it, guys, at the top of our show, Sean Payton spends a lot of time, maybe as much time, self-scouting as he does scouting the opponent. What does that mean? Self-scouting means scouting his own team after a, after a game, whether it's a victory or a loss, watching how teams responded to him and adjusted to him. And what you're doing is you're trying to not only make tweaks to your operation that you can see with your own eyes aren't working, but you're also trying to kind of, Zach, you're kind of um, strategizing into the future on what you can predict other teams. If this team did it, then you can maybe predict that in this team will do it in this down and distance, in this situation, and da-da-da-da-da. And Sean Payton's one of the best at that. He's one of the best, so take some encouragement in that. I got to believe, Zach, that they're going to have some answers for that, and especially if it's this collective as individuals can rise up and go, all right, let's go. We, you know, This can't be 2019 rinse and repeat where we don't notch our first sack, Zach, until week four. 
Thanks for reminding me of that. That was a, that was a terrible stretch run for the Broncos. But, you know, Tom, I get the point that you're trying to make, but Nick Benito, it says more about the Broncos' pass rush than it does about Nick Benito because he was invisible like everybody else last week. I mean, when you're facing Jimmy Garoppolo and Garoppolo has time for an appetizer, an entree, dessert in the pocket, I mean, that's just not cutting it. That says it's more about scheme to me than it is any sort of individual player because how can every single pass rusher from Zach Allen to Randy Gregory to Jonathan Cooper, Benito, everyone, no sacks, like two pressures, had no impact whatsoever. That has to change 1,000% starting Sunday against a very, very vulnerable vulnerable quarterback in Sam Howell. Mike, thank you, buddy, for the support on Facebook. He says, I hate to say this, but I'm getting that sinking feeling that Greg Dulcich is another injury bust with this year plus uh, his year plus the hamstring. Yeah, I mean uh, – he's already proven to be an injury prone player in the league. And it's usually not, I mean, especially Zach, when you're in your second year and both of your first two seasons have are, are, are marred significantly by games missed due to injury. It's usually not a great predictor of success to come. It's, it's not an absolute. It's just, you can start going, all right, well, we can see where this is going. Like he's a guy that is wildly talented, but so is KJ Hamler. But you could never get it. You could just couldn't keep him on the field. I hope that uh, the injury gods or the football gods, however you want to view it, have different, you know, a different destiny in mind, Zach, for Greg Dulcich. But it is a little bit concerning two years in the league, two years with significant missed time because of injury. I'm not saying I feel this way, but uh, a resounding uh, comparison to Dulcich has been made. And two words Jake Butt. Remember him? I mean, the uh, highly touted tight end who we thought was going to be the future. And every single year he went down with a major injury and, and washed out fairly quickly. But hopefully it's not the case with Dulcich, who's, you know, after Albert O is left now is the far and away the best pass catching weapon they have at that position. And I was so excited to see what Dulcich can do in Sean Payton's offense year two with Russell Wilson. Uh, hopefully when he comes back, he can stay healthy and off the trainer's table. I think the Broncos could definitely use a 6'5", 260-some-odd-pound um, tight end that runs a 4'9", mm -hmm. and can jump over dudes. They could really use a mm -hmm. guy like that. Man, if they only had someone like Albert Okawebu. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Shoot. Oh, man, they did. Uh, KB, brother, so good to see you. He wants to know, and this is, is going to be a key moving forward, not only for this game, but just the rest of this season. Does Damari Mathis, Zach, have a bounce back game? KB, thank you for the super. What's your answer? It quite literally cannot get any worse for Damari Mathis. He was ranked 92 out of 92 cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. And he has something like a 20-something rating. I mean, it was bad, and uh, he did play that bad. But I'm a big Damari Mathis truther. I think he's going, going to stabilize and really bounce back and improve over the course of the year. It's such a tough assignment being the bookend to Patrick Sertan when he's getting no passes thrown his way and you're getting all the passes th thrown your way. We'll see Sunday because I think um, Sertan will lock down Terry McLaurin. But the commanders have uh, Johan Dotson, who is just as talented, just as explosive, and much better than Jac Jacoby Myers. And Jacoby Myers put Mathis in the freaking, you know, spin cycle multiple times. We have to hope that he bounces back. But it's also on VJ to recognize, I hate to harp on coaching so much, but when Mathis is starting to get cooked or starting to slip, give him help, switch his assignment, do something. Don't leave him out there to get burned over and over and over again. Got to get Riley Moss back, dude. Let's see. Today he was – He's coming back. Full. He's good to go. So that's encouraging if Damari struggles. Now, in the same vein, we have to be consistent with Dulcich. If the best predictor of the future is the past, well, what do we know about Damari Mathis's past? Well, he was a rookie last year. His first game was, like, unconscionably bad. It was ridiculous. Not only getting burned, Zach, but remember all the PIs, mm -hmm. right? The penalties. Was it four, I want to say, in his first game? Maybe, but he got the penalties. Quarterback was going after him. You're going, all right, we're seeing which way this is going to go. But he learned fast, and he bounced back, and he stopped making it so easy on opponents to pick on him instead of Sertan. 
So all I'm saying is don't rule that out as a distinct possibility if indeed you subscribe, as I do, to the belief that the best predictor, it's not the only, but the best predictor of the future is the past. Because one other thing to keep in mind here, Zach, Pat Sertan, quarterbacks are going to only continue going away from this dude. Last week, Devontae Adams in coverage was targeted with Sertan in coverage five times. Sertan relinquished two receptions for 16 yards on Adams, broke up the other three. It's not just that they were incomplete, like broke them up, broke up the pass. So Damari, whoever's playing opposite, even more so, dude, like quarterback's going to be going after you. Ronk, thank you, bro, for your support as always. He says uh, the tight ends. Nate Atkins or Lucas Kroll from the practice squad to the active roster with the Dulcich injury. We'll find out Saturday what the what the two elevations are going to be this week. Um, one of the guys that the Broncos elevated last week, Lil Jordan Humphrey, um, from the practice squad was officially signed to the active roster this week. So uh, with Judy back, I doubt they elevate Philip Dorsett, although don't know for sure. Maybe they do go a little bit heavier on tight end. Um, Adkins, you know, he was a healthy scratch last week. Kroll, though, he's not the same twitched out uh, animal that Albert O is, but he had a bizarrely similar third preseason game um, where he went off for over 100 yards, Zach, for the Saints, and they still cut him. In, in Albert O's case, I'm guessing that if they weren't able to trade him, um, well, I guess we already knew the answer to this because the re initial report was they were waving him, right? And then it turned out to be false. But either way, Lucas Kroll, we might have to see what he can do because I like Troutman. Like he's shown so far, Zach, to be a very balanced and versatile tight end. But you can see, man, once the ball gets into his hands, there is zero ability yeah. to separate. There's zero ability to break uh, for yards after catch. Like he's catch it, go down. Not because he's not trying – but just that he's a big, strong, heavy tight end that you get them by the legs, they go down. Adam Noah Fant Troutman. That's that's what we should call him because it's three yards and a cloud of dust. And uh, I guess that has value in Sean Payton's system and he's going to be the starter. But to answer the question, Michael, or predict this situation, it depends how heavy they go at tight end. If they roll with three, uh, based on the way that Sean Payton was talking up Atkins throughout the entire summer and the fact that Atkins made the 53, I think they'll go with Troutman, Manhurts, and uh, Atkins. But who knows? Maybe Kroll could get called up. I just think it's a little too soon for that. Phil, what's up, brother? So good to see you tonight. Appreciate you. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. Scott's back in the in the, in the the house, so to speak, by the way. Uh, so he hears you. Understand, says Phil, we tried out the uh, kicker or punter, Miller, as a kicker. What is your opinion? He's, he's confusing. So explain the story of the tryout this week, Zach. Yeah, so yesterday the Broncos worked out actually two specialists. I forgot the name of the long snapper, though he has fairly uh, – has a, a fair amount of name value. Can't remember, but Brock Miller was the punter that the Broncos brought in. Did not sign, just had a tryout. Um, played the last couple years in the USFL, and he has a big leg. His long punts in each of the last two years were 85 yards and 78 yards. He can also handle kickoff duties, though he doesn't have much experience there. Though he could do it if called upon. So I think it's just due diligence at this point by the Broncos. Riley Dixon was not the reason they lost against the Raiders. He averaged 40 yards a punt, uh, one punt down inside the 20. And he's also a uh, captain on special teams, so I can't see the Broncos moving on. But if they were to, or if they wanted a kickoff specialist, I think Brock Miller could be the way to go. Brad, I don't think VJ is it. You could be right. You could be right. And Dave goes on to kind of further on this, this train of thought. Thank you for the super, Brad. Dave from Georgia, legendary, mythical, pivotal Super Chat superstar, still rocking his Buckham T-shirt like a boss. He says the defense only allowed 17 points. Will Lutz, if he does his job, we're 1-0. and We're running a new offense, so I'm optimistic that we'll tighten up the issues that cost us the game and play much better down the stretch. This is This is – a more correct take, in my opinion, and this might be something that Zach and I differ on, but I'll just say this real quick. And I said this in the gut reaction after the game, immediately at the final gun, which is because of the situational, 
the uh, times that the, the Raiders moved the ball, specifically at the end of the game, and there were so few possessions, it felt worse than it really was. But they did hold them to 17 points. If you can get better production out of the pass rush, I think everything's going to be fine on defense. And Zach, yes, it is up to Vance Joseph to figure out how to make that happen, whether it is through figuring out how to reach his players that can rush the passer. I mean, Randy Gregory can rush the passer. Uh, same with everybody else in that position group or through scheme. Either way, VJ does need to step up to the plate on this. Listen, I'm over it. I'm onto the commanders. Uh, I'm putting the Raiders loss behind me, but it still kind of irks me when people just kind of surface level analyze the, the box score about the defense. Yeah, they allowed 17, but... I don't care if they allowed eight. If you if you lose, you know, if you still lose in the end and you lose because your defense, it doesn't really matter how little you let up. They failed in crunch time, and that's not just a one-week sample size. That's been the case throughout VJ's tenure, both in Denver and in Arizona. He's also been, let's call it like it is, a mediocre coordinator. He's he's below average most years. His best average was slightly, his best year was slightly above average. They did not get any sacks, very limited pressures, quarterback hits on Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, they stopped Josh Jacobs, but at what cost? I want to see them come up clutch. I want to see them make the big play. I don't want to see them play prevent defense, play soft, play off, and allow the opponent to go all the way down the field and score when they need to score. We saw that in preseason game one, and it continued into the regular season. You know, one person we haven't mentioned, and yes, Patrick, is it too early to look for a new DC? Buck buck all, y'all. Yeah, a little too early, but I know you said that tongue-in-cheek. You know, we keep talking about the edge rushers and we talk about manufacturing pressure, but where's the Zach attack? I'm talking Zach Allen, dude. Let's go. We need to see Zach Allen earn some of those dollar-dollar bills. The Broncos paid him to uh, bring his services to the Mile High City. Uh, Brandon, what's up, big dog? Appreciate you. You guys should see Scott right now. He's like rocking out to Alter Bridge or something, literally, as we speak. Uh, you can't see him. We can. He's like going, oh. He's like singing along. This is a dude that lives life to its fullest. All right, trust on that. Mr. Producer knows what's up. Brandon, hey, got in late tonight, guys. So if you covered it already, I apologize. I saw that Moss had a full practice. Chance if uh, Mathis struggles early, they put Moss in his spot. Absolutely. And that's saying something, Zach, because he hasn't played anything meaningful relative to the game of football uh, since he was a Hawkeye. I mean, honestly, because, yeah, you had an off-season training program. Uh, he was available for rookie camp, Zach. He was available for, you know, one or two, uh, I don't know, three or four of the OTA sessions, counting that mandatory mini camp. Then you get to the training camp and Baboomi gets hurt. So even considering, Zach, that he, they probably know he needs to get his game legs underneath him, if Mathis goes out there and is getting burned left and right, literally on the reg by Howell, I think they go, all right, we're going to go ahead and uh, try the Rook because Riley Moss, I, I think he's got some upside to him. And uh, I keep thinking back to Marvin Mims' first impression that he shared during rookie minicamp of Riley Moss. And that is that, uh, first of all, that he loves the dude, but that he likes to let you know he's there, right? Like he's a he's a little bit of a dog and he's he's a rookie, but I want to see some dog on that D. It's tough uh, because, again, it's it's a really tricky assignment for the number two cornerback opposite PS2. I mean, he'll lock down whoever he's on, but he either Mathis or Moss is going to get McLaurin or Dotson. And those are really, really talented receivers. And I don't know that I would throw Moss into the fire that early unless I absolutely have to. The point I was going to make earlier on Mathis is that I think we've seen the worst of him. This season, I think that was the worst game he is going to play this year, and uh, hopefully he'll show that Sunday. Albert, the uh, Mile High Duchy in the house, JL Skinner, he says, needs to play. Rookie six-round pick, Boise State, uh, might not have known who Steve Atwater is when he first got drafted to Denver. I'm, I'm trying not to hold that against him too much longer, uh, but. An intriguing young guy, 
healthy scratch Zach in week one. Remember, all five of the Broncos draft picks made the active roster out of camp and are still on it. JL Skinner, inactive week one. Is he active this week, considering that Stearns yeah. is done for the season? It's Stearns and also PJ Locke, who's uh, who's on short-term IR with, I believe, a knee. So, yeah, they need some safety help, and they need some uh, athleticism at that position. They have Simmons, of course, but KJ was looking like the same Kareem Jackson we've all come to know throughout the last couple seasons in that he's good in run support, but he's really, really susceptible and bad, for lack of a better word, in pass coverage. So I would like to see Skinner out there, but just a combination of safeties uh, that can help get the job done with Simmons. Claude, thank you, big dog, for the support, for the optimism, for the passion. Uh, it's very much appreciated, my friend. Go Broncos, indeed. Uh, Michael Davis, what's going on, big dog? Appreciate the super. He says, Priests, the improvements we see next week and the remainder of the year will be a huge indicator of what we have in Sean Payton and his staff. I have faith, says Michael. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know. I agree that you want to see some improvements. <clears throat> I think you should expect to see some improvements in the areas we've talked about, but I'm really seeing this entire first four games, the first quarter of the season, we'll say, even though it's no longer technically a quarter because they added that 17th game, but I'm still going to talk that way. I'm using this first four weeks as a realistic expectation of how long it'll take for all of the bugaboos to kind of get worked out, the trial and error, the chemistry, the understandings, the vibe, all that stuff. If they can microwave it and get there sooner, would love to see it. I think you have an opportunity to get a win this week, Zach, while still kind of rolling through some of those trial and error punches a little bit. Um, but bottom line is you got to win this game because it is at home and it is one of those games on your schedule, Zach, that you are supposed to win. And again, it precedes that game against the Dolphins on the East Coast, an early afternoon game, and the Dolphins are playing, at least they played in week one, really good football, too. It looks like the real deal. So, yeah, adversity will tell us a lot about the Broncos and how they respond to this. And if you look at Sean Payton's history, uh, his teams in New Orleans consistently started out either 0-2 or 1-1. They gotten off to slow starts. They, they started to pick up steam around the middle of the year. I think they are going to respond against this Washington team and uh, finally beat someone they are supposed to beat. Tom, again, thank you, brother. That's three tonight, bro. Going off, he says, he's saying Bassey made Renfro a ghost props. Yes. See, that's the thing is everyone, um, I shouldn't say everyone, the achievement of basically stopping Devontae Adams and stopping Hunter Renfro and stopping Josh Jacobs for what it's worth. Zach was lost amongst the hubbub of Jacoby Myers going to the freaking house a couple of times and dragging a dude named Damari Mathis along with him. Props to Bassey. Very encouraging, Zach, especially considering uh, the, the injury to K1, like they, that needs to, if the Broncos get that caliber of, of impact from Bassey on the reg, uh, it's going to be very, very, very impactful in terms of the whole meta macro VJ defense thing. And when you get K1 Williams back, you can still utilize him. If Bassey stays at this level, you can still utilize him in a lot of fun ways. Cause one of the things that separates him as a nickel guy is not only his physicality in the box, him being K1, but also the fact that he has a little bit of a penchant for quarterback sacks and pressures from the nickel. So you, if, if it turns out to be a trend, the Broncos are going to struggle, struggle this year to manufacture pass rush, you need Bassey to continue holding up because then you can start using a little bit of K1 here and there uh, from some you know corner blitzes, let's say. Steve, that kind of steel mans the argument I made earlier. It's one thing to hold him to 17. That's great. You shut down uh, Adams and Jacobs and Renfro. That's great. But you still lost the game. You know why you lost? Because you couldn't get off the field. Because you got no pressure, no sacks. You allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to scramble for the game-clinching first down. You did not come up clutch. And that's why when someone says they only gave up 17, well, look at the context of the game. The defense did not play uh, well at all. A saying Bassey I talked about in the gut reaction. I have not been the biggest fan of his. I think the Broncos, or I thought the Broncos would have moved on, but to uh, his credit, he responded in kind and looks like a 
solid replacement while K1's on the shelf. I like this real quick, Zach, from, from Scott. Uh, in soccer, and by the way, props for still calling it soccer, not calling it football, because I know how much Scott does love the game of soccer. In soccer, shutting a guy down is called putting him in your pocket. So that means, Zach, that Bassey got home, emptied the change out of his pocket, and there was Renfro. I like it. Poetic, dude. Uh, the Ronk says, this Sunday, Broncos will have a Broncos players alumni event celebrating Super Bowl 33 championship and DeMarcus Ware Day. Uh, I think it's 32, um, if, I'm, if memory serves. But either way, yes, that actually begins Friday. Uh, the Bronco alumni, um, you know, player appreciation, the legends from, from the past. And then Sunday, you're not only going to get a nice little halftime presentation with the a special feature of the Super Bowl 32 guys, but that's the Green Bay team, the team that knocked off Green Bay, the first ever Bronco World Championship. But throughout that entire game, Zach, they'll be doing cool things to honor the alumni. And yeah, DeMarcus Ware Day Hall of Fame, very cool. How about giving DeMarcus and the alumni a W? How about doing it in front of them and for them and kind of hearkening back to those successful championship-level teams and uh, becoming relevant again? That would be certainly nice. But it, it'll be cool to see DeMarcus in the Broncos stadium again. And he's, you know, despite starting off as a Cowboy, he's become a big part of Broncos canon. That's why I'm saying, you know what? If there's ever a guy that deserves the four-year uh, requirement to be in the ring of fame exemption, it's DeMarcus Ware. Not only because yada yada, he went on to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, that's obviously an immense achievement, but think of the impact he made in just the three years he was a Bronco. Am I counting right? 14, 15, 16. Yeah, the three years he was a Bronco. Pro Bowl, two of those years, might maybe three, but for sure two. Turns, like pulls Von Miller, like horse collars him back from the brink of imploding his career much to the Broncos profit. They win the Super Bowl, huge impact in the Super Bowl and the whole playoff gauntlet. Like if there's anyone that deserves a, an exemption for a ring of fame, it's that dude, Phil, I would like to see McLaughlin, uh, the rookie Jalil, the running back sneak out of the backfield and have Russ hit him on the run. The kid is so fast. He can take it all the way. Zach, you know, a little something about this mm -hmm. story. Yeah, I just wrote about it. If you want to read it, Phil, at milehighhuddle.com. Uh, Sean Payton was asked about McLaughlin's lack of touches. He did not have a carry against the Raiders. He had one catch for negative seven yards, and I believe he played five offensive snaps total. That's not going to cut it because he brings to the table, as you talk about here, one thing that Pookie and Pirine don't have, and that's electric 4-4 trailblazing speed. you got to get the ball in his hands. He was the leading rusher in the preseason. He was the leading touchdown getter in the entire NFL in the preseason. Good things will happen when you get him in space. Sean Payton said, we will find, quote, we will find more touches for him. And it's something they talked about after that week one game. So I would expect to see McLaughlin actually carry the ball on Sunday. You just need some speed and twitch, man. You'd create some space. And especially on this offense after watching just, I'll be at one game. Um, that didn't feature Dulcich for a good chunk of it and was without G Judy the whole time. So, albeit could be an outlier game relative to how things end up unfolding, but based on what we saw in the first game, you need someone who can loosen things up for you. And he's a guy that might be able to do that. That doesn't mean you supplant him. I mean, think back, Zach, to the best seasons Darren Sproles had both in New Orleans with Peyton and prior to that in San Diego – he was never the lead dog. He was the guy that would come in in critical situations, third downs, change of pace, uh, and just completely put the defense on its heels and and loosen it up for the other guy, you know. And that's something I think Jalil can do, and not necessarily only as a, uh, a rusher of the ball. Like throw him some stuff, let him let him let try and and complete one of these screens that we know Peyton is dying to see happen let let Jaleel be a guy that makes that happen now I'm not sure exactly who uh oh I see okay Brad Hill will definitely be a problem Zach are you Tyreek it has to be we were talking about the Dolphins in Miami game. week three yes we 
we'll uh, skin that cat when the time comes. Um, he is the most unstoppable, unguardable player in the NFL currently, though. I mean, the, if the Broncos don't stop him, it's because no team can stop him. He is that freaking good. Um, okay, guys, we're about out of time. So any burning topics, get it in the chat. I want to grab this from String Guy, though. Uh, he says, Chad and Zach, you guys are making great points. But after the Raiders game, I need to hear the music, baby, before I can get back on the bandwagon. Will the kicker get fixed and will VJ get some pass rush? I feel you, my dog. Uh, I feel you. Really, I do. I don't blame any fan for feeling that way in terms of saying, you know, let me translate. I'm not going to go out there sticking my chest out and saying Broncos are going to win, let alone let myself get caught up in hoping too much until I have a good reason to. And I get that because trauma is a thing. Um, the kicker getting fixed, Zach, that has got to be crucial. I'm hoping it was opening game jitters. I'm hoping it was new city, new team. I've only been here two weeks jitters. Uh, Peyton said uh, both after the game immediately and then Monday that what he saw from Will Lutz, he believes we'll get that fixed. He was quite dismissive of it. So far, everything Sean Peyton has said in these post games dating back to the preseason where it didn't look good, he said, we'll fix it. It's happened. So I'm, I'm staying open to that with regard to Will Lutz. VJ, though, getting some pass rush. This is not something, Zach, that even though he's the head coach, that Peyton is 100% in control of because he's not calling the defense. He's contributing to the game plan. He's contributing to different decisions and you know personnel and this and that. But VJ got to figure out some pass rush. And you know what? I'm, I'm maintaining some hope, string guy, that VJ can do that because – I've seen him do it before uh, in Denver when he would have to take over play calling duties. Granted, that was back when you had a guy named Vaughn Miller still on the roster. But um, Zach Allen, you know, there's still plenty of guys on this roster, Zach, D-line, let's just say up front, that have it in them to go out there and get it done. VJ can help out with some scheme, some well-timed blitzes, things like that. But uh, as George says, I feel VJ is back to his bend, but don't break. We need the defense to take over the game this week. Yes. No more of that, uh, Ben, don't break. Like, go out there and get it. And this was something Keith wrote about today. Keith Cummings, great article. Go give it a read on the Jerry Judy subject real quick, Zach. And it's on the subject, which is, you know, Peyton, it seemed like that first game, Peyton and company, they were more like caught up in just reacting to what the opponent was doing. Instead of trying to dictate, they were kind of both, whether they were on defense or offense, rolling with allowing the opponent to dictate terms basically. And they got to flip that paradigm. And I think that'll help the whole idea of VJ dispensing with the bend don't break and getting back to attack. Like where's your, your mentor, Wade Phillips, call him up on the phone and figure out how to get back on the horse. You know, I never really understood that why it's celebrated to have a, a bend, but don't break defense. Why would you want your defense to bend? How about neither bending nor breaking? Unfortunately, with VJ, though, all too often his defense bends and breaks, as we saw in the waning moments of that Raiders game. But I feel like we talked about uh, the pass rush enough with Will Lutz. You know, it's one thing to miss a, a big 50 plus yard field goal. That's not a gimme at all, but the extra points, those have to be. Nailed because points are at a premium for this Broncos team. But the bigger point that I would want to see that I would make to the Broncos, if I'm Sean Payton, I don't want to rely on Will Lutz. I don't want to settle for field goals. I want to score touchdowns and make it a non-issue. If they would have done that last week, you'd be one to know right now. Indeed. Uh, I'm trying to see what is uh, Todd talking about here? Is someone deserving of a shout out? Mr. Producer, examine, if you will, before we dip out. Oh, dope. Tim, congrats, dude. Got engaged yesterday. Very cool. Congratulations, man. Uh, she said yes, sounds like. You got the ring, sounds like. So good things on the horizon for you, my dog. Really stoked for you. All right, unless you guys have any other burning topics, this is it for tonight. Keith Brugman, good to see you. The bearded man himself. Uh, he says, Genie Keith here, you get one wish for the Washington game. Easy. Mathis plays at a top level or easy. choose a pass rusher, you know, Gregory, easy. Cooper, play at a top level, Zach. 
if you have the pass rush, then it won't matter how bad Damari Mathis plays because the quarterback won't have time to pass the ball. It all starts up front. It all starts with the pass rush. Just ask, you know, 2007 Tom Brady about a pass rush. It can take over the entire course of a game. It is symbiotic. Absolutely. That's the answer. Uh, but I'm still hoping, I'm still hoping that uh, the past predicts the future for Damari and he bounces back after a rough debut. But yeah. guys, we're out of time. We got a few messages, so don't leave quite yet. Another tremendous episode of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, please follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL. And Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, including Bucka merchandise, go get you some. MHHmerch.com. Check that out. If you haven't, drop us a like at Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. And also, if you're on IG, you can follow us at Mile underscore High underscore Huddle. And be sure, guys and gals, you're leaving your football pre-safe five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, please... Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. We have one more 11th hour super chat and a shout out for the Ronk. KB, this is a, a good question. Thank you for the super chat, Kenny. With Wilson's quality first game, what are his floor and ceiling stats for the season? So based on what you saw, uh, let me just do a quick calculation. So his his he's not going to throw for 177 yards only every game, but that would put him on pace for barely cracking 3,000 yards. But he'd throw for 34 touchdowns. So what's your, you know, extrapolating game one? So what is your floor and ceiling for Russ? In, in terms of passing yards, he's only thrown for 4,000 twice in his career, the last time being in, in 2020. So I think his ceiling, considering it's going to be a run first team and, you know, he's not going to be a 400 yard passer like a Mahomes every game. I think about 3,800 yards, 3,900 yards at the most would be his ceiling and like 32 to 3,300 yards to be his floor in a Sean Payton offense. Touchdown wise, um, 25 for a um, 25 for a floor and I would say like 30, 32 for a ceiling. And I'm telling you right now, guys, if what Zach just said comes true and 25 of his, is his floor, when's the last time that a Bronco quarterback threw for 25 or more touchdowns? You have to, unfortunately, go back to Peyton Manning. That's how long it's been. So a quarterback passing for 25 or more touchdowns in a season for the Broncos, I promise you, puts him in the conversation. Doesn't guarantee him anything. Puts him in the conversation. Um when it comes time to decide the playoffs ronk thank you brother appreciate you so much we've got a mile high uh salute and shout out to these great super chat superstars and supporters tonight starting on facebook phil mclaughlin michael ronquillo george fox brandon williams mike reno claude riley on youtube uh we got david mcelrath troy boer sam bam tom going off kb brad dave from georgia michael davis and uh KB also going off more than once too. So, and Brad going off more than once. So much love and respect you guys. Thank you so much. And we did not go through the head to head today because again, we, we're going to wait one more week and then we're going to really make that a for sure regular part of our Thursday show, because then we start getting a preponderance of, you know, a body of work, let's say of st statistics that actually means something because there'll be multiple games to compare so stay tuned for that. But we'll uh, look forward to seeing you guys at the final gun on Sunday for the gut reaction. Don't forget you got Legends of Mile High on the bright with Thomas Hall, Dove Valley Deep Divers, which I'm sure will be doing a lot of examination of the Washington Commanders tomorrow night and Orange and Blue View Saturday night. So we'll see you guys Sunday. Have a great start to your weekend. We'll see you Sunday for the gut reaction. Celebrating, I'm saying it right now, celebrating the Broncos' first win of the season. Take care and as always. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.